The following podcast has been paid for by the Drew World Order. You're listening to the Drew World Order of Wrestling Podcast, and we have a stacked show this week. We have a ton to talk about. The Thunderdome's moving locations, Pro Wrestling Illustrated came out with their first ever Tag Team 50. We, of course, review the shows this week in wrestling, Raw, NXT, SmackDown, AEW, Dynamite. You'll hear... What my favorite segment and moment of the week was in wrestling. You'll hear what I didn't necessarily like and thought was a little off as well. And, of course, we have Survivor Series coming up on Sunday. So I give my preview and predictions for the show. And uh, we are going to start out this DWO podcast with the Drews and Notes section. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Starting the show out with some congratulations going out to John Moxley and formerly known as Renee Young, uh, Renee Paquette. I believe is how you say her name. Uh, John Moxley just uh, nonchalantly mentioned that uh, Renee is pregnant, and uh, he did this in a in a promo, uh, just like a video vignette uh, promo uh, in the middle of AEW this week. So congratulations to them. Um, a lot to talk about actually this show. The Thunderdome for WWE is moving to Tropicana Field. That's where the Tampa Bay Rays play. It's a terrible stadium. Um, (laughs) I'm assuming this has to do with the basketball season starting soon and the Orlando Magic um, coming back, and therefore the Thunderdome wouldn't be able to be at uh, American Airlines Arena or whatever the Amway Center, is that where, where they are? I don't know, where wherever it is. Whatever it's called in Orlando. So that'll definitely be interesting. Um, who knows if they'll actually have fans at this location because Tropicana Field is a baseball stadium, baseball field. So there's a lot more room to spread out. And in Florida, they are allowing people to attend events. Um, I'm not sure because this is not an outdoor arena if they're allowed to attend events or what the deal is there but uh at least there's going to be a little bit of a shake-up in the thunderdome starting in december um i don't remember the specific date um it's like december 13th or something like that um i'm gonna quick check december 14th maybe or december 11th maybe that's when it is um but in a couple of weeks um so that's a little bit fresh, new. I wonder if they're just going to keep the same set. Because um, if they do, that's going to be kind of boring. Or if they're building a big stadium set of the Thunderdome um, that they can use in uh, other locations, possibly, uh, if they need to move again. Because um, if this is still going on uh, when the baseball season starts, they'll have to move out of Tropicana Field, too. So we'll see. Uh, maybe we'll get some shots of the uh, Devil Rays in the uh, tanks. Or maybe they took those out. Maybe I heard last year when the Yankees were playing the Rays that they don't have the Devil Rays anymore. They used to have Devil Rays in tanks at the uh, at uh, Tropicana Field. Um, but yeah, there is all that. Um, I don't know if I have much more to say on that. The main thing that I wanted to talk about on this Drews and Notes segment is the PWI, Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Tag Team 50. This is the first time ever this is coming out. Pro Wrestling Illustrated is known for their lists. They do the top 500 wrestlers. They do the top 100 women, superstars, uh, uh, wrestlers, women, uh, women wrestlers. 
And now, for the first time ever, they've done the Tag Team 50. So, uh, they didn't come out with the whole list yet. They did come out with the top 10. Um, the number 10 team is Rapungi 3K. Uh, I'm guessing they're New Japan. I do not know their work. Kabuki Warriors are 9. That's, you know, they had a pretty good year, yeah. New Day at 8. That's very surprising because Kofi and Woods were out for a long time um, in the... Uh, in the year, I think the the, the period was um, Octo- October 1st, 2019 to September uh, 30th, 2020 um, of this year. Um, and if I'm wrong on that, somebody can correct me, but I believe that's what it was. Um, and, uh, well, actually, you know what, let me uh, do the live lookup of the criteria. If you can hear me clicking, that's what I'll be doing here. Um, it should be, um, on the Pro Wrestling Illustrated, uh, Twitter here, so I will check, uh, for you and see if it is, I think I saw it on their, on their listing here. Um, yes, okay, criteria, momentum, wins and losses, chemistry, activity, it factor and the evaluation period, yes, was October 1st, 2019 to September 30th, 2020. And so the whole list right now, as I was saying, Rapungi 3K, Kabuki Warriors New Day, Lucha Brothers at 7. The Lucha Brothers, that's also pretty interesting because they haven't been on TV for a long time. They just returned to TV, oh, I don't know, maybe... Two months ago with uh, Eddie Kingston um, at the longest, uh, unless I'm uh, remembering that incorrectly. So them being on this is, uh, I don't know, I, I, guess, I guess it's just the criteria of uh, COVID-19 this year. Uh, they're kind of taking that into account. Gorillas of Destiny are six, Tamatanga and Tangaloa. They are uh, New Japan. I know some of their work. Um, but nothing recently. Street Profits at five, eh, I guess. I mean, they've been the Raw Tag Team ta- Champions or SmackDown Tag Team Champions for a majority of that, uh, period. The North, Ethan Page and Josh Alexander, I don't watch Impact Wrestling, so I can't tell you anything about that. Golden Role Models, Bailey and Sasha at three. That's support. that's very surprising to me. They dominated television for, like, six months. Um, And they were putting on great segments and and good matches as well. So, I'm surprised. Kenny Omega, Adam Page, too. Eh, I mean, yeah, they were the AEW champions for a lot of the the, 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 um, time period, but... Um, evaluation period, I should say, but they're not really a tag team. They're two singles guys. They were kind of just thrown together. They won the titles in January, February, whatever it was, and then held them until recently. Um, yeah, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. FTR at one. They just lost the AEW World Championships to, uh, the Young Bucks, who are not on this top 10 list, which is really surprising because teams like Lucha Brothers and The New Day, who weren't really on TV a lot, just like the Young Bucks. Young Young Bucks were not on TV for like two, three months at a time. Um, They're not on this top 10 list, which is very surprising. So I don't know. I mean, the Young Bucks, you know, they've been the best tag team in the world, arguably, for the last who in the five years or so, um, very consistently good. Now I'm not a huge fan of the Young Bucks in ring style. I think it's a little it's too acrobatic for me and all over the place. Um, so I I would have made this list. I wouldn't even had Kenny Omega and Adam Page on this list. I don't consider them a tag team. I consider them two. Uh, I mean, look at them. They're the only ones without a team name. If you look at this list. They're the the one team without a team name. So they're not really a team to me. They're just two singlers, singles wrestlers. 
Um, I would put Golden Role Models as number one. They were the highlight of television for um, the summer this year. Um, they were on all three brands, Raw, SmackDown, NXT for WWE. Um, uh, you know, I think <laughs> at three, they're underrated. They should at least be above Kenny Omega and Adam Page. FTR, yeah, they're a great tag team, but they weren't on television for a while. You know, they were released from WWE, and then they showed up to AEW during the summer. So, you know, consistency-wise, television time-wise, Golden Role Models, with their activity and the entertainment value and the matches that they had, I think by the criteria listed by PWI, that Golden Role Models should be number one. You know, maybe there's some uh, AEW bias going on. I don't know, but uh, that is the top ten. It'll be interesting to see once the top 50 comes out what the rest of the list looks like. And uh, if I remember, when that whole list comes out, we will go through that like I've gone through the... Um, PWI 500 and the PW Women's 100. Um, so hopefully we'll get the full list soon. And uh, for now, we are going to move on to the rest of the show. Let's go to the Drew count because I'm not feeling very negative. So let's get the negative out of, way, out of the way. Um, and then we can go through the rest of the show trying to be as positive as possible. So coming up, this is the Drew count. Has he got the fingers locked? No, he got it. I can't believe it. Nobody's ever kicked out of that. There were a couple of weird promos on Raw this past week. Randy Orton's promo bragging about him getting suspended and fined a lot. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's like a good thing that you should be promoting. Like, and that was the main point of his promo is like I've been suspended more times than these people can imagine I've been fined more money than people have made in their careers and it's like what are you talking about Randy like whoever wrote this promo terrible is I mean there's no other way to say it it was bad oh that'd be like you know how many times I've gotten arrested Oh my gosh, you know how many times, uh, how many tickets I've gotten, gotten pulled over? It's like such a weird thing to brag about. Oh, I've been suspended a ton and fined a lot of money. Oh my gosh, and I'm still here because I'm the best. It's like, dude, getting suspended and getting fined money doesn't make you the best. It makes you an idiot. <laughs> Like, and then you bragging about it makes you seem like even more of an idiot. So I don't know what the deal was with that. And then Jeff Hardy threatened to do worse than hit Elias with a car. He literally said something like, uh, you know, like, you're going to wish that a car hit you. Uh, I'm going to do worse than you to you than uh, getting hit by a car. And it's like, are you, like, threatening to murder Elias? Like, that's not cool. So whoever wrote these promos, maybe it's the same person. And they were just, like, off this week. But it was really weird. Jeff uh, grabbed Elias by the beard and pushed him up against the, the wall. And was like, oh, I'm going to do worse than, uh, than hit you with a car next time. And it's like, what? <laughs> What what are you gonna do? Are you gonna like throw him off a building? You're gonna uh, hit him with a bus? Or, like what? What what does that even mean? Yeah, you're gonna wish you got hit by a car. Um, yeah, not really. I don't get it, especially because Jeff Hardy's a good guy. So him like threatening that he's gonna kill Elias basically is not a good guy thing to do. Um, uh, just so weird, these two promos, like, I've been suspended and fined a lot. You know who's been suspended a lot and fined a lot? Jeff Hardy. He's been suspended and fined a lot. He's probably been suspended and fined a lot more than Randy Orton because 
Randy Orton's got the two strikes. I think Jeff Hardy's got the two strikes. I don't even know if they still have the two strike rule. Randy had the two strikes like, uh, like that was a thing in the uh, around like two thousand ten ish where uh, it was like drugs. Uh, if you got if you failed a uh, wellness exam, uh, you get suspended for thirty days. The second time you get suspended sixty days, and then you would get fired. Um, I don't know if that's in place anymore. I've not heard of any wellness violations in a very long time. Um, can't even remember the last wellness violation. I'm sure there's been one in the last like five years. Um, didn't like Eva Marie get like a uh, wellness violation and then she just disappeared? That was within the last like five years, I think. Um, Jeff Hardy's, you know, obviously got wellness violations. Well, no, actually, he, maybe he doesn't have wildest violations. He just has, like, DWIs and DUIs and um, just keeps getting into trouble that way. But, like, these are things not to brag about. Um, <laughs> basically, like, I'm, a, I'm, I'm so cool because I do bad things. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't find that stuff very enticing. The one other thing with Raw that's happened the last eight weeks or so, nine weeks, I guess, or whatever, the announce table gets destroyed, and then it's back up later in the show. There, That's a continuity error. Leave the announce table destroyed. I think I just said error, like uh, Michael K. He says era. Him and John Sterling, they're the uh, uh, Yankees play-by-play announcers. John is for uh, radio, and uh, Michael K. is for television. They're both terrible. Um, but that's besides the point, uh, that's baseball. Um, I mean, we've already talked a little bit baseball with the Tropicana field, so I guess it's, uh, relevant to the, to this, uh, episode. But, um, anyway, uh, they say era instead of error, and, uh, it bothers me. So I think I just did that. So the, uh, it continuity error when an announce table gets destroyed, and then it's just back up later in the show, like... I, I don't get it. I don't like that. Moving to um, NXT. Uh, it was a pretty basic show. If you skipped it, you didn't miss much. I didn't have anything specific written down for segments-wise uh, that I didn't like during the show. So it was alright, but but that's what I wrote in my notes is that it was just a pretty basic show. Like, pretty typical NXT show. Lots of wrestling. Not a lot of entertaining uh, entertainment style segments kind of seemed rush at the end where uh, Io Shirai and um, Rhea Ripley's match ended and then all of a sudden Finn Balor came out and all the hoopla with Finn and uh, Pat McAfee and Undisputed Era happened. Um, I'm surprised they didn't announce that War Games match on NXT. I thought that was weird. Um, so maybe that's those are my complaints with NXT this week. They announced War Games coming up on December 6th, but they didn't really announce any matches for it um, on the show. Like, uh, Shotzi Blackheart introduced it and then basically, you know, did a promo challenging Candice LeRae. But I don't think they actually announced on the show, unless I missed it, that there would be an actual War Games match, but I think I saw on Twitter that uh, by WWE, um, or maybe it was uh, NXT's Twitter account, that it's going to be Team Shotzi versus Team Candice. So that got announced online, and uh, the the Undisputed Era and uh, Pat, For the Brand uh, faction, whatever you want to call them, Pat McAfee, Pete Dunne, uh, Oni, Oni uh, Lorcan, and Danny Birch, uh, that's going to be a War Games match. Um, I think that was uh, like online exclusive. Uh, maybe that's because they ran out of time. Um, but neither one of those matches were announced on television, I don't believe. And that's just weird to me. It's just bizarre. Like The point of your television show is to build to the next event, and then you don't even announce that event's matches on television. Very bizarre. Moving to SmackDown, the first 30 minutes was focused on the tag team title match at Survivor Series. And to me, that was way too much time allotted to 
build one match, and it's a match that like I don't really care about all that match, uh, all that much. It's sad to say, but Survivor Series, it's literally the second oldest pay per view, um, next to WrestleMania. But like now, it feels like it doesn't even matter. Like it's just this brand supremacy show that has no um, bearing on what was happening before on the shows or what happens later on on those shows. There's no ramifications or anything like that. Like this doesn't affect the Royal Rumble or whatever. It's just like these two brands going up against each other to see which brand is the best but like that's really not a good selling point not very interesting whatsoever so there's really nothing meaningful that's happening there's no titles on the line there's no stipulations or um anything like that to win if a brand wins survivor series matches or if they're the, the that brand's teams win uh the five on five matches so it's really just kind of a throwaway pay-per-view now and it's supposed to be one of the big four it's just really really sad actually um so speaking of survivor series with smackdown otis was announced to join the smackdown team why i don't know doesn't make sense to me i guess it was just to give him something to do um you know now i'm going back to otis is just kind of annoying um he's just a comedic character um I know he has a lot of appeal, but I don't see the appeal. There's no interaction with him and Mandy, and that stuff was kind of entertaining. He lost the money in the bank briefcase. Um, <laughs> he have not done anything with Otis and Tucker since the last pay-per-view, so it's like he doesn't really have much going on. I mean, now he's with Chad Gable. It's just weird. Like, And what did he do to earn the spot? Nothing. He didn't want to match. Adam Pierce just announced it. Like, whatever. Um, the other thing that was weird on SmackDown was they went off the air with Daniel Bryan winning, which has no implications to Survivor Series coming up. Like, this was the go home show for Survivor Series. Bryan is not on Survivor Series. So, why are you closing the show with a guy who's not on? The pay-per-view coming up. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And yeah, it's got this thing going on with Roman Reigns and Jey Uso and whatever. And, but Daniel has also got something going on with Sami Zayn. So it's like, he's not on the pay-per-view. Why are you ending the show with this? I, Well, I'll tell you later what I think uh, uh, they should have ended the show with. Because there was one great segment on SmackDown... Um, and it, and it was probably my favorite segment of the week. Um, it was really, really good, but we'll get to that in the, uh, in the What Drew Money segment. We're not there yet. Where we are at is, uh, talking about AEW Dynamite and what I didn't necessarily like in that one. Um, I did not like, um, Taz being on commentary. He... <laughs> I don't know. He just like wasn't making much sense. He's just kind of saying things. It was really uh, bizarre. Um, yeah, just very bizarre. Um, and he was only on for a short, short time, like five minutes maybe. Um, but it just kind of seems like he was incoherently just saying things. Um, I don't know. It was weird. The main thing I wanted to complain about with AEW was the contract signing with John Moxley and Kenny Omega, or the lack of contract signing, I guess. It was just odd. Uh, Kenny Omega came out. John Moxley was attacked backstage. He didn't end up showing. Kenny Omega was just like, okay, whatever, I'll just sign the contract. <laughs> and that was it. Like, okay, this is supposed to be a world title match. And... I mean, clearly something else is going on, but, uh, and like the slow storytelling, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to AEW because that's what they do. Uh, they'll eventually reveal what happened, but for right now, this segment was terrible. Like, you had a contract signing for the world title and nothing ends up happening. Not a good 
look. But we're going to move on to uh, the good looks of this week in wrestling and uh, talk about my favorite moments in uh, the week in the What Drew Money segment. my favorite moments on Monday Night Raw. Firefly Funhouse was entertaining as always. Um, Bray Wyatt, the Alexa Bliss storyline, continues to be fascinating. It was fun seeing Bray wrestle, just as Firefly Funhouse Bray. Uh, rarely do you get to see that. Rarely does he wrestle in general, but rarely is it this version of the character. Um... I can't really remember much of the Funhouse. Um, so it must not have been as great as the other fun houses. but I wrote it down in my notes that it was enjoyable. So uh, I really like that. Actually, what I I really liked about Bray and Alexa this week was uh, Alexa being rigs, rings, rig, rig, ringside for um, the Bray Wyatt match. And uh, after uh, Bray won... She uh, jumped up on the barricade and walked around. She's just playing a great character. This, like, you know, um, really peppy, excitable, young, childlike girl um, when she's in the presence of Bray. Um, even with the, the, the um, promo with Nikki Cross, she came out addressed... Uh, Randy Orton, and then Nikki Cross came out and was talking to her, and uh, Nikki and um, Alexa got into a brawl, but then Bray Wyatt came out, and Alexa Bliss's demeanor totally changed. She went from being uh, ferocious and violent to upbeat and happy and positive and laughing, and it's just really good storytelling, really good character work by Alexa and Bray. And I've really enjoyed their work. I have also been enjoying the Seamus and Drew McIntyre segments. I'm not sure where these are going. Maybe they're building Seamus versus McIntyre. Um, and, and getting McIntyre away from Randy. Uh, which I think would be for the best. Because that storyline with Randy has been going on for a while. It just uh, seems like uh, you know it's, it's Drew McIntyre and Randy every single week. Um, since at least before SummerSlam. Um, so that was August, so it's been like three or four months now. It's time to move on to something else. Um, Sheamus gave, uh, Drew McIntyre a sword in this backstage segment this week. And then McIntyre used that sword during his entrance. He was wearing a, uh, kilt that was in a, it looked like a treasure chest. Uh, that apparently Seamus got from his, <laughs> from Drew's mom, or something like that. Um, but those segments have been enjoyable. Um, and it was cool to see McIntyre win the title on TV. That rarely happens. That caught me by surprise. Um, I'm not necessarily surprised that McIntyre won the title, because he's a credible uh, champion, credible contender. But more so that it was just like it happened on TV. I thought there was going to be some sort of wacky finish. And uh, I thought for sure that The Miz was going to cash in. And he didn't. Because um, I think Miz versus Roman would have been an easy squash match for uh, Roman to win. Because um, I, I see McIntyre versus Roman at WrestleMania. Um, but maybe that's not the plan. Maybe it is the plan. We'll see. At Survivor Series. We'll see how that ends. Maybe if it ends in a wonky finish that uh there is no clear-cut winner that a uh a match will happen later on in the future i don't know um but yeah title changes rarely happen on television i think the last one that i can remember with a world title was daniel bryan beating aj styles before survivor series a week before survivor series a couple of years ago um so 
that's that's all fun and uh, enjoyable. Uh, as for, do I want to go to AEW next or NXT? Um, let's go to uh, NXT because I was just talking about a champion. Talk about another champion here, the North American champion, Leon Ruff. I liked him standing up for himself. Uh, he slapped Damian Priest. He then um, he uh, bested uh, Damian Priest and uh, Johnny Gargano uh, later on in the uh, in the show. So that was fun. This is a new character, you know. They're building his credibility, and he got one up on these two guys. And then uh, Ruff going to William Regal and saying he doesn't care. He'll fight both of them. So he'll put the title on the line against both of them. I think that's really cool. Uh, makes him very admirable as a character. And uh, I think this is a good way to get the title off of him anyway. So he can get beat. Whoever wins the title um, wins it. And then Johnny and Cam Or not Cameron. Uh, Johnny and uh, Damian Priest can continue on with their story. Um, so I almost just mentioned Cameron Grimes because he is on my list next for uh, my notes here. And uh, I enjoyed the Cameron Grimes-Dexter Loomis blindfold match. I thought it was funny. Grimes beating up the ref was great. Uh, you know, Loomis could clearly see uh, Grimes and, uh, you know, however they gimmicked up the uh, blindfold uh masks, uh, the bags over their heads, whatever. Um, but it was uh, enjoyable, it was entertaining, and uh, this stuff with Cameron Grimes, they're the perfect um, foils for each other. Dexter Lewis is this brooding, mysterious character. Cameron Grimes is this goofy, over-the-top, um, you know, southern character, um, a delusional character, and so they, they fit each other well. I'm... Excited, uh, well, maybe not excited. I'm interested in seeing where this story ends up going. I hope it ends relatively soon, so I, I would probably end it at um, at War Games. Um, and I'm going to end talking about NXT right now. Going to AEW Dynamite, I enjoyed the Inner Circle's Hangover parody. Uh, them being in Vegas, yeah, it was over the top. It was... Uh, um, wacky and wild, but, you know, that was kind of the point of it, was to be wacky and wild. They had two pretty long segments. Um, the first one was, um, just them in Vegas, hanging out with each other, gambling, drinking, doing stuff that people do in Vegas. Um, and then the second one was, uh, the Hangover parody, and they had Elvis there, and they introduced Elvis into the inner circle, and it was pretty funny. I enjoyed it. Um, a good entertainment segment on AEW, which doesn't typically focus on entertainment segments. Uh, I also enjoyed Eddie Kingston on commentary. It added uh, interest to the main event, which was, um, I believe it was Pac. Oh, no. It wasn't the main event. It was uh, uh, Pac and um, uh, Blade. And Eddie is great. Eddie, you know, so this is the opposite of Taz being on commentary that I mentioned in the Drew count. Taz Taz was on commentary in the main event. Eddie Kingston was on commentary earlier on, earlier on in the show. Taz was, like, incoherent. Didn't make sense. Eddie was making sense. Like, yeah, he said some, like, uh, wacky-ish weird things, but it, like, makes sense. It connects to what the commentators are talking about. It connects to what's going on in his storyline. It connects to what's going on in the ring with Taz. Like, that. that's not what happened. So, um, I really like Eddie Kingston. I'm glad he's getting more and more television time and time on the mic because he really shines that way. He's awesome. And um, something else that I thought was awesome, talking about Taz, was Will Hobbs joining Team Taz. This actually makes him interesting. It gives him some character instead of just being this good guy, this, you know, clean-cut good guy. Um, when he came out and helped uh, Cody Rhodes and um, Darby Allen at the end of the show, I was literally in the process of writing it down 
in my Drew Count notes. Like, Will Hobbs, they're really giving this guy a big push, and he's got, like, no character to him. He's just a jacked-up good guy. Like, and there's a ton of jacked-up good guys. Um, he doesn't talk much on the mic, and uh, I was just, like, really down. I'm like, really? They're going to end the show with Will Hobbs? <laughs> like, he's not really a superstar yet. Like, okay. But then when he turned, and uh, he literally turned, and hit Cody Rhodes with the FTW title, that, I was like, oh, all right, this is uh, interesting. It gives him some development. Now he's this bad guy with uh, Ricky Starks and Brian Cage, and, uh, you know, it gives him some forward momentum, other than just being like, Hey, I have morals, woo. <laughs> uh, and he was kind of just this like chair-swinging guy for a long time. Now he's part of Team Taz. This will give him more of an identity. It'll give him a mouthpiece with Taz to brag about how awesome he is. Uh, and that'll build him as a character. So they're doing something with Will Hobbs. And I... Really enjoy that. Uh, speaking of doing something here, Daniel Bryan did something with his hair. He got a new haircut. And I put this on my uh, What Drew Money segment notes because Daniel Bryan's haircut is the haircut that I have. He got the old uh, one on the sides and back, high and tight, and then on top, on top it's a little bit longer. And uh, uh, sometimes I style it the way that he had it styled today. I actually style it the same way that he had it styled today, but sometimes I do it to the side, uh, left side or right side, uh, depending on how I'm feeling that day or whatever. But, uh, I saw him with the, the haircut. And I was just like, huh, that's my haircut. Cool. All right. That's enjoyable. Um, something else that was enjoyable on SmackDown was, uh, Asuka using the New Age Outlaws line and the uh, John Cena line during her promo with Sasha. Sasha, not all that interesting. I just don't believe her. Like, I don't think her character is uh, an extension of her. I don't think any part of her character is an extension of her. You know, some part of uh, a wrestling character has to be within that uh, real person, and I don't, I don't think that's what Sasha Banks is. I think the, um, I think Mercedes, the, the, the person is not anything like Sasha Banks. Um, I think, uh, Mercedes is a really, uh, like kind person. Um, and, uh, and just, so there's a disconnect for me, like with Sasha Banks and her character. It's just not, I don't believe her. Um, like, I think all the braggadocious stuff, to me, comes across as insecurity instead of confidence. Um, and that's definitely not how you want any character in wrestling to come across. Uh, but Asuka was good. She did her typical thing. Um, and we'll talk more about Asuka and Sasha Banks later on when we preview Survivor Series. Um... I was actually surprised that Murphy beating Seth Rollins. I thought for sure that Seth would win the match, um, but like it would be a hard-fought win for Seth. So in the process, it would help Murphy um, get sympathy from the audience because you know a lot of the time in wrestling, if it's done properly, losing gets a guy over more than winning. Because the crowd gets behind somebody who loses and then the crowd backs this person and then this person can go on a path to more success to chase a championship and win it. And it builds this, you know, underdog hero story. Um, but Murphy just beat Seth Rollins. I was like, oh, okay, well, hey, whatever. I hope that's the end of this storyline and uh, we move on to something else. I'm guessing it is. Uh, seems like it is. Um, this is a pay-per-view with Survivor Series is, is this Sunday. So, uh, I hope this is the end of the Mysterio Rollins Murphy situation. 
and uh, we can move on to something else for everybody involved because that storyline's been going on since like after WrestleMania, like right after WrestleMania. So I'm ready to move on to something else with that. Now on to the best segment of the week by far. My favorite segment of the week was the Drew McIntyre Roman Reigns contract signing. I loved this. It was a different presentation. They did not use mics to talk to each other. So the typical thing in wrestling is um, people, these wrestlers go to the ring, they grab mics, and then they kind of talk uh, to their opponents but towards the audience, if that makes sense. Like They're talking to or about their opponent, but they're trying to get a message across to the audience more. Um, whereas in this promo, it felt like they were talking to each other and the audience, the viewers, we were just flies on the, on the wall for that conversation. So it felt a lot more intimate because they were just using the microphones around the ring to capture what the guys were saying. Um, and Drew and Roman were just talking to each other. It was really, really good. I liked the little nuanced thing of Roman Reigns sitting at the head of the table because he's the head of the table at WWE. I thought that was clever. Um, this is the match that I'm most interested in seeing. It's the most prestigious titles in the wrestling, um, in the WWE. Um, I'm sure this will probably main event the show. I don't know what else would, um, other than the Undertaker ceremonies. Um, but this was really, really good. Um, McIntyre winning the title, you know, I'm surprised, but it's a pleasant surprise. Um, I'm sure this will be a pretty decent match. Uh, I'll talk more about it in the, the, the Survivor Series preview, but uh, speaking of this segment with the contract signing... They McIntyre and Roman were both very, very good, and uh, it it was a, a well produced segment, all around very, very good. Um, so we're gonna move on to the all around reviews uh, of the shows in this week of wrestling, and uh, I'll give my thoughts and ratings and impressions of uh, the shows in total in the redrew segment. As you know, if you've listened to previous podcasts in this Redrew segment, I don't give uh, the typical ratings, no uh, numbers or grades or letters or thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle, um, no stars, nothing like that. I give my own uh, unique set of uh, um, ratings and starting out with Monday Night Raw. Uh, I'm giving Monday Night Raw the rating this week of a blue moon. Uh, so in Blue Moons, a little weirdness happens, um, but it's a rare thing that happens, and that's how I felt Raw went. There was a few weird things, <laughs> especially with Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy promos, um, odd writing, things that they said they were going to do or did or were bragging about. Um, but rare things happen. Bray Wyatt wrestling um, which is rare, but him wrestling as the Firefly Funhouse character, even more rare, and a WWE title change happening on the show. Um, you know, that's super rare. A uh, world title change does not occur on free TV very, uh, very often. Um, you, you gotta pay to see that happen, so that was cool. Uh, AEW Dynamite, um, this really wasn't that, uh, interesting of a show, um, nothing really got me overly excited, I mean, I, I put things that I liked, but it wasn't like, um, you know, super captivating, um, 
I, I'm giving AEW Dynamite the rating this week of an aquarium uh, because I don't really find aquariums that interesting. You know, once you've been to one aquarium, you kind of seen them all. Like, it's just a <laughs> big tanks of water with fish in it. You know, zoos can be a little different. You know, zoos can be laid out differently. They can have different animals. Aquariums, I mean, fish are fish. You know, they all kind of look the same to me. They all kind of do the same thing. Um, you know, they swim around. Just whatever. You know, not not that cool. Not that great. Not that astonishing. Um, <laughs> that's coming from someone who can't swim. Uh, but regardless, uh, you know, just not really interesting uh, all that much. Um, that's what this AEW Dynamite was. It was pretty standard show, you know. I've seen this this show. <clears throat> I've seen shows like this multiple times. You know, it's just you know whatever. Um, NXT this week, uh, this week, this week uh, is uh, getting the rating of a transcript. So uh, what I mean by that is nothing necessarily uh, needed to be seen. Uh, reading the results, reading a transcript of the results. Would have kept you right on track for the show. Um, you know, I, I couldn't come up with anything that I necessarily didn't like, but it was also a pretty boring, basic show. Like, uh, as I mentioned earlier, if you skipped it, you really didn't miss much. Um, you could have just read the results and moved on with your life and been fine. I mean, the biggest things happened online. <laughs> it didn't happen on the television show with the announcements of the War Games um, War Games pay-per-view, War Games matches, so, you know, <laughs> well, I read the transcript of that anyway, you know, I read it. Um, SmackDown only really had that one really great segment with Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns. It stole the show, the rest of the show was okay, so I'm giving SmackDown the rating of a spotlight, because one segment had the spotlight, and the rest was pretty dark. It wasn't super illuminating. It wasn't uh, a terrible show by any means. I was a little disappointed though. You know, this is the go-home show to a big four pay-per-view. So it should be one of the more action-packed um, and interesting, captivating shows. And it really wasn't. It was just kind of a typical SmackDown. Um, so... Uh, those are all my ratings. We got one more thing to do in the podcast, and that is preview Survivor Series. So we are going to do that in the What You Gonna Drew, Brother segment. WWE Survivor Series is coming up this Sunday. There are seven announced matches right now. They are all dual-branded matches, Raw versus SmackDown. No NXT this year, which is interesting. Um, I really liked the element of NXT being involved in Survivor Series last year. I think it's really missing this year. Um, that was what made Survivor Series interesting last year. Um, this year it just goes back to kind of a throwaway show um, because stories aren't necessarily really built between the brands, um, all that well, uh, so, um, it's kind of just, a pay-per-view for a pay-per-view's sake. The pre-show match is a dual-branded battle royal. There's no participants named right now, so I can't really say much about that one. Let's do the Survivor Series matches first. Um, the women's team, Team Raw, is Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. The, uh, Women's Tag Team Champions. Lana, Lacey Evans, and Peyton Royce versus Team SmackDown, who's made up of Bianca Belair, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, the uh, Riot Squad, uh, Bailey, and Natalia. Um, I'm thinking that, uh, well, I'm thinking that SmackDown wins this match. Well, no. I think Raw wins this match. I think Lana. Ends up playing a huge role in it. Uh, I hope, actually, I should say. I hope Lana plays a huge role um, where she's the sole survivor 
and, you know, her getting put through the announce table eight times in nine weeks, um, make, it makes, you know, it comes to fruition, it makes sense for, um, for, for something, um, but, you know, with WWE, it would be typical if she just got eliminated in the first, like, five minutes, or, you know, first two minutes, whatever, she's out there, and she just gets eliminated first from Team Raw, that wouldn't be surprising to me either, but I hope this is a spot for Alana to shine. The men's Survivor Series elimination match, Team Raw is AJ Styles, Keith Lee, Sheamus, Braun Strowman, and Riddle, versus Team SmackDown, made up of Kevin Owens, Jey Uso, King Corbin, Seth Rollins, and Otis. I think this has got Raw, uh, Raw written all over it as well. Um, despite Team Raw being uh, um, arguing with each other and not getting along, I think that's kind of a uh, swerve situation here. Um, team SmackDown hasn't—they haven't been <laughs> together as a team at all. At least we've seen Team Raw as uh, on TV together. So I'm guessing Team Raw is going to win this one. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not super interested. I mean, I could, see, I, I could see Team SmackDown winning because Team Raw just implodes because they all just don't like each other. That would make sense. But, uh, yeah, I see it, it going the other way. I say Team Raw winning. Um, champions versus Champions matches. The Tag Team Championship match. New Day. Uh, Kofi Kingston and Raw, uh, the, uh, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods, the Raw Tag Team Champions versus the Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford, the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. I think this is the time for SmackDown to shine, for the Street Profits to shine. New Day winning doesn't really do anything for them. Um, Street Profits winning does do something for them, and New Day losing, they don't get hurt. New Day's Already well-established, well credi- uh, very credible team. They're 10-time tag team champions. They're not going to be hurt whatsoever. I think this is the Street Profits' time to shine, and the Street Profits get the win in this one. The, uh, uh, let's go with the uh, singles match. United States champion Bobby Lashley versus Intercontinental champion Sami Zayn. I think it's pretty clear-cut Bobby Lashley's going to dominate Sami Zayn on this one. Um, yeah, I don't think Sami has a shot. I mean, I would be very surprised if Sami won. I would love it if Sami won. Uh, Sami's super enter- entertaining to me. Bobby Lashley's not very entertaining whatsoever. Um, but, uh, yeah, I see Bobby Lashley winning this one pretty easily, pretty handily, and pretty quickly. Um, while we're talking about Bobby Lashley, this pay-per-view would have been perfect to have Retribution versus the Hurt Business as one of the Survivor Series elimination matches, and they just didn't do it. I don't know why. I don't know what they're doing with Retribution. You know, they had a lot of steam, um, but it just seems like, uh, it's kind of just, you know, at a standstill now. I mean, Ali got a win, finally, on Raw this week, I believe it was this week. And, um, <laughs> so at least uh, Retribution isn't total losers. They have one win, but they really don't have much going for them, uh, at this point. Um, they're not even disrupting shows or anything like that. It's, you know, it's kind of, uh, unfortunately, I think it's more of a dead-in-the-water type of, uh, type of, uh, story and faction, Unless they add some new elements and make it a little bit fresher. Right now, it's not good. Um, The uh, women's singles match. Asuka, Raw Women's Champion versus Sasha Banks. SmackDown Women's Champion. I think Sasha wins this one. Um, Sasha is getting the big push with the Mandalorian. Um... She last lost to Asuka, so, and I think Sasha, they're trying to build to become a very credible champion. Um, I can see her going to WrestleMania with the Women's Championship match, so I think it's more important that Sasha wins. And uh, Asuka, whether she wins or loses, I don't think it matters as much. So, uh, if Sasha loses, I don't know what she does after that. Um, 
Plus, they already have this story in place with Sasha versus Carmella, so they're 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 already starting a, another women's title, uh, title uh, picture, um, storyline. So I think Sasha gets the win here, but you know you never know. I could see Carmella interrupting and uh, uh, distracting Sasha, interfering in the match, and Oscar uh, gets the win because of Carmella. Um, you know that would make sense too, but I I think this is uh Sasha Banks, all the way winning this match, and then uh, the last match, the match I'm most most excited about, the match that they've sold the best, which is what they should be doing, is Drew McIntyre WWE Champion versus Roman Reigns Universal Champion. Uh, this should be a really good match. I'm surprised they're giving us this match now. I'm hesitant. To not think that something else is going to happen. What that is, I don't know. If that's Randy Orton interrupting. If that's Jey Uso interrupting. If that's uh, The Miz interrupting and cashing in. uh, Something happening like that. Um, I I don't know. I I have this weird feeling that Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre is what's planned for WrestleMania. So... This is just going to be a snapshot. This is going to be a preview of that. And there's going to be some sort of wonky finish. Uh, if there isn't a wonky finish, I'm, a, uh, I'm going to say Roman Reigns wins clean. Um, hard-fought win. Good match. Uh, if there's no chicanery or anything like that, I think Roman wins. Uh, I think Roman should win everything until WrestleMania at least. Um, until whatever the story is for WrestleMania. Um uh, I'm assuming it'll be Drew McIntyre, but you know, you never know. Maybe it will be The Rock. So maybe Roman will carry the title even further than WrestleMania if he is facing The Rock. Cause uh, I don't, I don't see The Rock beating Roman Reigns. Um, cause The Rock just isn't on WWE television. Um, so that wouldn't make much sense if, unless he's gonna be around a lot more. Um, so Roman. And Drew, I think this is the these are the two faces of WWE facing off. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Obviously, they're the title holders right now, so they are the actual faces of WWE as well. Um, but I think this is the match for WrestleMania. So this will be a good preview of that. I think it'll be if if no chicanery or anything happens. Uh, I think Roman will win, but uh, I'm. I'm thinking something is going to happen. But I've been wrong about that. The last few weeks I've talked about Miz cashing in or something happening and it doesn't happen. So, you know, I don't know. And then we have the Undertaker 30 years in WWE farewell. This is an interesting story. I am hoping that this isn't just a farewell for The Undertaker. I hope it's the beginning of the end for The Undertaker. I, I hope uh, it ends for The Undertaker at WrestleMania in front of a crowd. Um, if it's just a farewell to The Undertaker and to his career, uh, I'll definitely be disappointed. Um I think all of this has been built even since the last ride to be that, oh, you know, the, the WWE's uh, been pushing this narrative that uh, The Undertaker's done, he's retired, he's not coming back, he's not going to have another match, he's satisfied, um, and he's just going to go and ride off into the sunset. But this is wrestling. That, <laughs> that never, ever happens in wrestling. Um, so, I, I mean... Ideally, ideally, I would like to see the fiend um, interrupt this farewell to the Undertaker, and it leads to the fiend versus Undertaker because the fiend um, kind of distance distances dis- distanced himself from from uh, the WWE Championship, um, and because uh, he was involved about uh, the last. But two or three weeks, three three or four weeks ago, I guess, he was, you know, around the title. And then the last couple weeks, he wasn't really around the title. 
Um, somebody, uh, one of the podcasts that I was listening to was, uh, like, Sting interrupts, which, you know, would be cool. It's a dream match, Sting versus Undertaker, and Sting debuted at uh, Survivor Series, just like The Undertaker in WWE. Uh, though Sting did it, what, like, five years ago, maybe? Um, yeah, I think it would be five, five or six years ago at this point. Um, and, uh, that would be cool to get that match. I mean, with the way these cinematic matches uh, are now, you could bring back legends and you can do these things with, uh, these older legends that you couldn't do before. You could, uh, hide their weaknesses and, um, what they can't do anymore through the magic of cinematography. Um, <coughs> excuse me. The way the Boneyard match came out was incredible. Undertaker could be having these matches for th the next, you know, 10 years for what he's contracted uh, under as for the for the WWE. So, you know, he's got that long, like, 15-year contract. He's not going to be wrestling for 15 years, but, you know, he's got to be doing something. Um, and I think this is the beginning of the end. Uh, I, I think it's only fair for The Undertaker to have uh, his final match in front of a crowd and have a proper match. Uh, maybe that's AJ Styles uh, because, you know, we had the Boneyard match and maybe we'll just do a renew, uh, uh, um, rematch of the Boneyard match at this year's WrestleMania. Um... I can see that happening, but, you know, The Fiend, I think, is the the best, the best, most ideal uh, opponent. But, you know, it's tricky with The Fiend, because if he faces The Fiend, I want to see The Undertaker winning his last match. And especially if it's at WrestleMania, then somebody like AJ Styles is the, the, the uh, wrestler to that, to do that. Um... Even like Baron Corbin, Baron Corbin would be a good, uh, a good opponent for the Undertaker. I think um, uh, <coughs> on uh, Talking Smack a few years ago, before the Royal Rumble, um, you know, Undertaker said that uh, there were twenty nine holes that he's dug, and Baron Corbin went off on a really good promo on Talking Smack, and he was like, "I'm glad the Undertaker." dug those holes because I'm going to film and the world needs ditch diggers and blah, 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 and he's saying this stuff about The Undertaker. And it was like, whoa, man, that's a lofty thing to go after The Undertaker. So Baron Corbin, I think, would be a good opponent for The Undertaker. Um, Fiend would be the most intriguing. AJ would be a good good uh, opponent for The Undertaker. Sting would be the dream match. Uh, so we will see... I hope this isn't the end of The Undertaker. You hear my chair squeaking there? I gotta put some uh, oil on that or whatever is going on. <laughs> Maybe you can't hear it and I just sound crazy. But uh, I hope we have a, a good Survivor Series and uh, it exceeds my low expectations because I really am going into the show with very low expectations. Um, and I hope, uh, this DWO podcast has exceeded your expectations this week. If you want to reach out and interact with me in any way, you can do that through Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. The handle is all the same, at DWOpod. If you'd like to send an email, it's the same thing, DWOpod at gmail.com. Um, if you want to further support the show... You could click on the link on the Anchor page, the Drew World Order Podcast Anchor page. That would be much appreciated, and anything you put uh, into that, I'll put right back into the podcast. Um, one main way to support is to spread the word, uh, be a friend, tell a friend about the podcast. We're on pretty much all podcasting platforms, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, you name it, where pretty much there um just tell a friend to search true world order podcast uh and they'll most likely uh find us and hopefully enjoy the show um 
other ways to support are uh, liking the show on social media, following on social media, subscribing to the show um, on whatever podcasting platform that you use it, sharing the show online and on social media, um, retweeting it on Twitter, uh, leaving a comment to the show, um, leaving a review to the show on Apple Podcasts. Um, doing any of that is much appreciated, but uh, I really just appreciate if you only listen to the show, if you only have time to listen to the show. Uh, I understand. I get it. I do that with a lot of my podcasts. I appreciate you listening to this. Uh, it's really a good outlet for me. I really enjoy doing this, and I hope you enjoy listening to it. Uh, my experience has been uh, really great so far, and I hope your experience has been Drew Sweet.